Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show presented by NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Patrick Darty. Today I'll be joined by Denny Carter, where we will spend the next 30 to 35 minutes talking about the House of Windsor. Uh, all anyone <laughs> wants to hear Denny and I talk about. But That's Denny, fair. can we agree that there is no real difference between monarchists and robust RB drafters? Can we agree on that? I think more and more are agreeing on that, and, and, and including myself. I, I have to say, you know, just to kick this off. Uh, I consider myself uh, an expert on uh, the, the the monarchy as someone who has watched The Crown on Netflix. I'm one of the few people, so uh, I, I know what I'm talking about. And, and and yes, certainly, I think when you're talking about um, you know the traditionalists, uh, you know in 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 both fantasy football and in the UK, you're talking about the the same the same sort of people. And I have to say, as someone uh, who has committed himself to zero RB. You know, my security has been taken away by the fantasy football industry. I, I, I no longer have it, and but it is a, a price to pay for being correct. So, like, when you talk about an expert, you watch The Crown, you buy the special, like, Time Life commemorative issues they have in the aisle at the grocery store, right? You have That's every right. one of those. Uh, and, you know, not to belabor the – this is – people are talking. People are saying – if you were a member of the British royal family, uh, what would your duties yeah. be? You yeah, I think it's a, a great question. Uh, so I would definitely be tasked um, with tweeting out a distraction <laughs> for the family when when things go really badly. You know, like for this, you know, like for the, the, the interview uh, with Oprah, I, you know, I think that they would reach out to me, probably the queen personally, uh, and and say, I need I need you to do your thing. Go go tweet something outrageously incorrect, go wrong. That cheese is bad. Che- tweet, tweet tweet cheese is bad. Tweet even better. Tweet that uh, the the best hot dog has no toppings, <laughs> and 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 that and that just draws people away. You know, people are fickle. Their attention, uh, you know, doesn't last very long. So, and the British family, I mean, sorry, the British royal family would know that, and they would recruit me to do that. I think. So the best hot dog topping, by the way, is a hot dog that doesn't exist. Um, if, I, if I were in the British Royal Family, I think I would just be like the guy who is like, have we knighted Sting yet? Uh, have we made the guy who directed Train Spotting a member of the Order of the British Empire yet? That would be pretty much all I would right. do. Right. You, you, would, you would have to scrape, uh, scrape up like uh, – 
um, you know, B level rock stars from the seventies and eighties, like British rock stars who, who, who may, who might be qualified to, to get knighted. Like is Billy Idol available right now? Yeah. I would just be suggesting knighthoods for entertainment. Yeah, Billy Idol probably has like 10 songs about abolishing the monarchy. So he probably will not be. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I mean, he probably does this again, but you know, enough about the last remaining vestige vestige of the British empire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give a quick explainer of today's topic before throwing it to Denny for a little more in-depth explanation. Basically, 2020 was the highest scoring season in NFL history. I think it blew away the previous record. Uh, you don't need to listen to a good football show to know there are going to be a lot of regression candidates in 2021, both entire offenses and individual players. Uh, we're going to try to identify some of those 2021 regression candidates through the lens of touchdowns over expectations. And Denny, this is where we need yeah. you to explain what are touchdowns uh, over expectations. Uh, well, we expect certain numbers of touchdowns from an offense uh, determined by uh, the yardage that they gained on offense in 2020. Um, and like you said, the the scoring was outrageously high last season. So we have quite a few teams that overperformed they're expected touchdowns by a lot, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, just to uh, you know, qualify, you know, why we're talking about this right now. I think um, getting a grasp on uh, team-wide touchdown regression is a great place to start uh, your evaluation, however cursory, of uh, fantasy football in the in the coming season. You know, I, I think you know into uh, the summer is when we can get uh, you know more detailed on player to player situations, but uh, for, for team team wide scoring, we need to know which teams uh, scored way more uh, than they were supposed to uh, per their yardage in 2020. So uh, I do think that this is a, a valuable exercise. Uh, I think it's one we, we can do and should do uh, every season. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll kick it off at the top, right? We will with the Packers, who scored 18.6 touchdowns over expectations. You made a lot of good points there. I mean, 
you know, it's early in the off season. There's going to be a lot of things. The personnel is going to change the minutia, mm-hmm. a lot of this, but like we know there are people already drafting and it's like never too early yet to take a big picture. Look this. So again, the small details are going to change here. Mm-hmm. Like the big picture. Look, this will help. Like, you know, if you're deciding between say Devonte Adams and someone else in the first round, like, we know Devonte Adams is still going to like ball out of control <laughs> in 2021. But if you're like looking for a tiebreaker, uh, it probably makes sense to expect some regression uh, from the Green Bay Packers, uh, even if not touchdowns, even if you're just looking at like traditional stats and not something like touchdowns over expectations. And instead of letting you, uh, you know, talk about your concept, I'll go with my Packers take sure, sure. Uh, here first, where I think something that kind of gets underrated about the Packers in 2020 is that they were unusually healthy. Like Devonta Adams missed two games and Aaron Jones missed two games, but they didn't have like any marathon injuries. They didn't have like a number of key injuries overlapping at the same time. Uh, the offensive line stayed almost completely intact until David Bakhtiari's injury uh, late in the season, which we saw become a massive factor in their NFC championship game loss. And so like all last offseason, I was like, this team has to add a weapon. And like basically the only way they could survive without adding a weapon was if they stayed healthy all year. And then they stayed like ridiculously healthy, unless you mm-hmm. want to count like Alan Lazard's five to six game absence. They just didn't have, you know, it's very typical during a normal NFL season for a team to be missing like two or three important players, like at the same time for several yeah. weeks in a row. And that just never happened with the Packers. And I think that probably didn't get enough attention because uh, since they did miss games, I don't think it got enough attention that it was like very short injuries and kind of very well-timed injuries. And, you know, obviously uh, a 48 touchdown five interception season is not going to repeat, but like, this is just a team that like, took efficiency mm-hmm. to its outer limits mm-hmm. in 2020. That's, that's correct. And I, you know, cause I was going to come in here, I was going to storm in with this stat, which is that uh, on the whole NFL teams averaged one touchdown per 136 yards in 2020, which is a record and it's not even close. Uh, but the Packers scored a touchdown every 94.3 yards, which is just, like I said, outrageous is the word that comes to mind over and over again. The, the, this team scored way, way more touchdowns than you expected it to per their yardage. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had uh, a 9.1% touchdown rate. That's nearly three points higher than his career average. Devontae Adams uh, had a touchdown rate last year of 4.3% higher than his career rate. So, you know, are, are these guys going to continue scoring touchdowns? Of course they are. Is it going to be at the uh, clip that we saw last year? I mean, probably not. Like th- there's a very, very small chance that they can keep that up. And that's what we're, you know, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at probability, the probability that they can keep this up. And it makes me think, uh, and I'm probably, you know, being presumptuous here, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's March and we need to say these things. Uh, that I, I would think that this makes Aaron Rodgers probably one of the w- he will be one of the more overdrafted quarterbacks in fantasy leagues this year. Yeah. So first off, with Devontae Adams, you're saying he's not going to score the most receiver touchdowns since Randy Moss in 2007 and only 14 games again. Yeah. It's, it's controversial, but I, I I am sticking by that. Yeah. So, but Aaron Rodgers. So a, a, a narrative, a meme last year amongst like the fantasy intelligentsia was like, is late round QB like actually kind of dying? And like Aaron Rodgers will be a part of that conversation uh, this off season. But I totally agree with you. He's like already shaving. It was like one of the prime overdraft candidates of all of 2021. Cause as we know, 
the kind of like the sort the the somewhat death of late round QB is more about the dual threats. And as yeah, we know, right. Aaron Rodgers at the age of I think forty eight is not <laughs> a dual threat. And yeah, this this he had a like an outlier. I mean, he's had a career of outlier seasons sprinkled in. Yeah. I mean, his twenty twenty that is an outlier season. And like, to, how much will the efficiency of this offense be hurt? They do not re-sign Aaron Jones, who's one of the best three-down, like, explosive talents in the entire NFL. So it, I just think, yeah, even if they bring the entire cast back, yeah, if you're scoring a touchdown, that less than average 100 yards, like, there's yeah. just nowhere. I mean, it, it feels, like, silly to even, like, put this on a podcast because it seems so obvious, but it kind of <laughs> just needs to be said. There's nowhere to go but down for this offense. In right. It feels silly to say on a podcast, yet we are saying it are on a podcast, which is, which is curious. Uh, one last thing uh, about the Packers. I, I The one thing that uh, could help Rodgers and, and, and Adams, uh, relatedly, stay afloat as far as touchdowns go, maybe not reach the, uh, you know, the level that they were last year, but stay afloat, is – the, the the team is very uh, aggressive on fourth down in field goal range. I wrote about that the other day, you know, much to the chagrin. Except of, for certain situations, say the most one. important uh, situation in franchise history this century. That's right. That's right. Except for that one. Outside of that, they were definitely very aggressive. The, the most aggressive by far uh, this season, which is pretty, uh, you know, horribly ironic for, for Packers fans, but, but, you know, that sort of mentality could keep the touchdown scoring going. That's what I'll say about green Bay. That's true. Maybe that'll keep all the, like maybe teams will continue to score way over uh, expectations. Cause like the whole league wide philosophy is changing when it comes to going for it and being aggressive. And what are we talking about here? I say, it's just rendering the entire podcast topic <laughs> uh, moot, but uh, by the way, do we have to grapple with the fact uh is Matt LaFleur a genius? I mean, I, he, I mean, that sentence has never been uttered. Like, we just – no one even, like, considers that take. I don't consider this take at all. But, yeah, like, we were talking about a huge regression with the Packers last year. Like, they seemed like one of the most fluky 13-3 and three teams in NFL history yeah. in 2019, and then they immediately did it again. And, like, this at what point – and I, I'm not saying – I, I truly – I do not credit Matt LaFleur – but like at what point will we be forced to start crediting Matt LaFleur? Cause a uh, pretty I good think, job the first two years. I think we, yeah, I, I mean, that's, I was thinking about that. You're putting this uh, data together. I was looking back at 2019 and I was like, Oh wait, Matt LaFleur is probably a genius. <laughs> like, He's the guy who breaks the model. I, and, uh, I didn't understand that until just now, but yeah, I think, I think he does deserve a ton of credit. Yeah, he gets no credit probably because he was viewed as like a stunt Sean mm-hmm. McVay hire. Like, oh, he just knows Sean McVay. Yeah. And, you know, having one of the greatest players in league history it as his quarterback. But knowing what to do with that player is a skill, as we've learned. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy forgot what to do with that player. Um, so, yeah, we uh, Matt LaFleur is someone maybe we should start giving a little more credit. Again, I am not saying this like I give him credit and other people's don't. I also don't give him credit. And that maybe we should start. Well, it seemed start. like a trendy, it seemed like a trendy hire. Like you said at the time, it seemed like, uh, you know, oh, like he's a young guy, like uh, he's a young, uh, a, a young, good looking guy, you know, and like Sean McVay. So like, yeah, right. Let's, let's bring him on. Like he stays in, he stays in decent physical shape, you know, and like his wife is saying, I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> you know, let's, let's get, let's get our, let's get our McVay. That's what it seemed like. And I, obviously that was completely wrong. 
Yes, it was. Um, all right. So the Titans were next at 13.6 touchdowns over expectation. I feel like it should probably just be a podcast in its own right. We we're going to skip over Tennessee Titans. And the third team of the New yeah. Orleans Saints, and this is going to be a tough one. Uh, they scored 13.1 touchdowns over expectation last season. Uh, what do we do with the – it's like the Packers. It's we, we got like the same returning cast of principles, so they're kind of easy to talk about from a podcast perspective. What do we do – with the New Orleans Saints, though, Denny, where we don't know mm-hmm. who the quarterback is going to be. Are they slam dunk regression candidates, which they kind of seem like on the surface to dig a little deeper? You're like, well, you know, actually, Drew Brees wasn't even that great last year. Right. Like, could they – I think – so the first question is, will the Saints offense be better or worse without Drew Brees? I feel like it will probably be worse still, even though he was not easy on the eyes last year, and that the number will be coming down regardless because he's one of the most efficient players in NFL history. Yeah. And then both Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston are, like, uniquely inefficient in their own uh, unique ways. Yeah. And uh, I'm setting this up. I'm way too long to set it. Tell, what's the Saints spiel, Denny? Yes. The, here, here's the here's the Saints situation. All right. First of all, I, I, I don't know how to incorporate, like, the field general aspect of Drew Brees in that offense. And I, and, and I'm not discounting that. I know it sounds like, but, but I'm not, but it would, it would be hard to believe that a, a quarterback with a, with a better arm than Drew Brees couldn't uh, take that offense and, and those players and uh, create almost as many touchdowns in, in 2021. I will say on, on, on one front on Alvin Kamara, um, I think, you know, you're looking at a guy who scored seven. Uh, he scored a touchdown on 7.7% of his touches in 2020. His career rate uh, is 4.3%. Uh, so he he exceeded that by by quite a bit. I think that if you're looking for individual regression, I think Kamara is where you're going to see it. Uh, obviously, Michael Thomas, who was, you know, uh, out for most of last year, suspended, uh, you know, kind of blackballed by Drew Brees seemingly uh, it, it, during late in the season. I think, you know, he's he's the guy who could benefit from Kamara scoring fewer touchdowns, perhaps. Um, I, it all depends on on the quarterback, but I'm not as concerned about the Saints as I would be about, uh, say, you know, Green Bay. Well, yeah, and Michael Thomas, like, I'd be like, he also really complicates, like, 2021 uh, Saints projections, like, who will regress, who will, like, progress, because – like Michael Thomas is obviously going to come roaring back probably this year, uh, you know, assuming he stays healthy. Like, so like who, so like Alvin Kamara is an obvious regression candidate. Michael Thomas you think is an obvious bounce back candidate. Like this makes it very hard to project like who's going to pick up these scraps mm-hmm. uh, behind these two guys. Like, can we safely say, like, is it, is it going to be Traquan Smith season? It, finally, it, it could be your guy. You're, that's your guy. Traquan Smith. Yeah. Had him in Dynasty for many, many years. Trey Quant, just when you're ready, no pressure. Uh, no pressure at all. He might do it. No, because, okay, so Emmanuel Sanders uh, almost certainly won't be back with with the team. I, I actually saw him as a either a cut candidate or a trade candidate uh, listed today in a beat reporter's report. Um, and so, you know, Adam Troutman, I, I know, besides besides the Kamara and Thomas, I, I think you do need to look towards Smith, who – you know, I, I I know we're joking a little bit about Smith, but uh, when given the opportunity, you know, he's he's produced. You know, I, I think if you give him a full complement of snaps and uh, a decent target share, uh, I think you know he could be that that third guy. But it, the thing is, with in the Saints' offense, typically uh, that third guy is a distant third guy. 
But he, he's a young guy who's had like multiple spiked weeks. So like you say, the athletic profile of you know, the coach he plays for and like the big games he's had a limited opportunity, you would think like any year now is going to be the year now for Traquan Smith. But this, yeah, the Saints in general, there's enough variables where I feel like it's going to be hard at least early in the offseason. Like if you're doing early season uh, offseason best balls, you're doing like a dynasty startup. It's this is an offense where it's gonna be very hard to like pinpoint like who like the potential breakout candidates. I guess other than Troutman, a player they do clearly love. They traded up for. Uh, they then they released their two veteran tight ends. So if you're gonna try to triangulate someone to be go aggressively after a saint to go after aggressively early in the offseason, it probably is Adam Troutman. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand do you want a beautiful lawn Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, before we get to our next team, uh, I want to talk to people about the NBC Sports Edge premium subscription, uh, which includes all sports now, so you can get access to the NBA, NHL, college basketball and MLB premium products all under the same umbrella. That includes our excellent MLB draft guide, which I mentioned last week. And I will mention again, I am a part of, uh, I'm in a mock draft. So you get to read my picks, like, basically the most important of our MLB draft guide. I uh, would know, which is amazing. Matthew Pouliot, Drew Silva, DJ Short, et cetera. They do amazing work uh, for 10% off any NBC sports edge subscription. Enter the promo code good 10. That is good 10 for 10% off. All right, next, uh, this is a team. So the Bucks uh, will surprise no one, score touchdowns yeah. over expectations. And we're, we're the first two teams we talked about, the Packers and the Saints, seem like kind of obvious regression candidates. Denny, are the Bucks as obvious of regression candidates? Or is this something where, like, the arrow is actually pointing upward? And, yeah. you know, offense, I feel like, almost underperformed at times. In 2020, what's what's the dope here on the Bucks offense? Yeah, so they're the Bucks are uh, have the fourth most uh, touchdowns over expectation in, in 2020. I, I don't know if that's going to hit Tom Brady hard uh, next season. I mean, assuming he continues not to age, um, you know, he was uh, his t- like age software, right? Tom Brady. Uh, it's a horrible joke, not worth interrupting you for. But no, it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. So his uh, his touchdown rate wasn't uh, crazy last year. It was uh, 1.1% higher than his career touchdown rate. So I think it's certainly sustainable with the kind of pass catchers he has. And it would be a huge upset at this point if Chris Godwin got away from Tampa. 
Um, they, they seem fully intent on bringing them back, whether it's the you know franchise tag or or otherwise. Uh, so I, I I don't know if I'm like if I'm overly concerned uh, with the regression for the Bucks. Um, you know, a lot of those touchdowns, like you said, I mean, there were times during the season, especially early in the season, uh, where that that offense was not clicking. It just it just wasn't happening for them. Um, and uh, so a lot of that scoring came, you know, in the second half of the season. Um, and I I wouldn't be surprised if if they kind of picked up where they left off there. Yeah, I mean, this was an offense that did not find its footing to the second half of the season. And most importantly, like you said, the band seems to be getting back together. Chris Godwin will be franchise tagged or given a long-term contract, it appears. I mean, does any – I don't know if there will there even be a market for Antonio Brown. Like they might be the only team that even would right. be willing to resign Antonio Brown. And Rob Gronkowski probably isn't going anywhere. So the band will probably be getting back together uh, after a Super Bowl winning season where they didn't have an off season. You know, got no off season reps together. It's been like yeah, the first two thirds of the season not really getting in sync. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is the kind of thing Tom Brady has always done when he has the weapons and. Uh, he just he's never gonna go away. We've accepted yeah. that. We are owned uh forever and always. Eternally. Eternally. Um, I, I give up. I give up. And uh, you know, as a as a as a life lifelong Brady hater, I'm I'm done. I can't deny it anymore. This last Super Bowl uh has uh destroyed me from the inside. So I'm I'm a, it's over for me. He's established an everlasting monarchy. Like we're just yeah. now in like the Henry the Eighth phase of Tom Brady. We're gonna go through centuries of this Tom Brady. It's true. No, but, but just as an aside, I know, you know, we, we didn't talk about going on on and on about Brady, but I mean, you know, I was hoping that a Mahomes victory in the Super Bowl could, could give me hope that one day my kids could call Patrick Mahomes the greatest of all time. Now he can't, now they can't, they'll never will. They, they, you, Mahomes will never be the greatest of all time because he lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. And I, I'm, I, I'm not judging. I, that's not my judgment, but Super Bowls are the only thing that matters when it comes to public perception of, of the greatest of all time. And that, and so it's impossible now for Mahomes. I mean, even if he managed to somehow tie Brady in Super Bowl titles, yeah, forever. Like, well, what happened when they played head to head? Exactly. It, when Mahomes is retiring, uh, that you know, there will be columns written about like he could have been the greatest if they would have beaten Brady, but he didn't, so he's not. I mean, the season, his twenty twenty seven season, where he throws a hundred touchdowns and zero <laughs> interceptions, just doesn't mean anything. That's right. You lost Super Bowl fifty five. You no, but I mean, you 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 kid, but you are a hundred percent correct. He could actually go on to have like a sixty five touchdown season, and it it wouldn't even come close to registering. Uh, you know, uh, near losing the Super Bowl to Brady. See, we're, we're, these are future counterfactuals. Just back to this dystopian reality. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think we're in agreement that a quarter, a team with a 44 year old quarterback, can not only continue to overperform, uh, but perhaps be better. Yes, I think so. And, yeah, uh, make us all cry yet again. I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, listen, I, I don't. It's probably safe to say neither one of us wanted him to be the greatest, but I mean. It, he might, he might be the greatest folks uh, breaking it's, news yeah. spoiler alert I, I i take no pleasure in reporting this i will Tom say brady uh has won the argument and it's time for us to move on uh, yep. we have been defeated uh <laughs> seattle seahawks yep. which may surprise listeners that the seattle seahawks were a team that scored way over expectations in mm-hmm. 2020 because mm-hmm. uh that probably happened all in the first half of the season because in the second half of the season i believe 
Russell Wilson threw for only 12 of his 40 touchdowns. Only 12 of those came in the second half of the season. But despite that crazy disparity between their first and second halves of the season, the Seahawks were again one of the, the leading over offensive performers in 2021. And I don't know what to make of this. I mean, what do you think, Denny? Because they've ushered out Brian Schottenheimer, who you know is really just a puppet, for, of course, for Coach Pete Carroll. We can blame Brian Schottenheimer, but he is – he was doing Pete Carroll's bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, the replacement that has been brought in, a Sean McVay disciple that is promising from the, I mean, they're clearly trying uh, to maybe bring their offense into the modern times and get with the times. There's uh, you, you can say that's just like, oh, just another team taking a ridiculous like Sean McVay flyer, but it at least signals intent to mm-hmm. modernize the offense. Um, do you think that will be enough for the Seahawks to kind of overperform again? Kind of, you know, beat the trends, beat the models. And will this offense regress in 2021? Are we going to get more progress from the Seahawks? The kind of progress we were seeing in the first half of last season. Well, if they regress from what they were in the last six or eight weeks of last season, it would be the end of the franchise, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, so they, they were actually seventh. The Seahawks were seventh uh, in touchdowns over expectation. I mean, on the pace that they were on, early in the season, they probably would have been first by, by a mile. Um, you know, I, I would think that something in between, this is not a hot take, I will admit but something in between what we saw uh, in, in the first eight weeks of last year. And then the last eight weeks is something we could see in the, in the, at the start of this somewhat new era with a new offensive coordinator, whose name I, I can't come up with at the Shane moment. Waldron. Yes. Oh, obviously. Yes. And we're going to need a hotter take than this could happen it, or this could it, might not. Happen. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's my take. So uh, I believe that they will uh, focus on using play action more. Uh, and Russell Wilson has been incredibly effective with play action in his career. It's just that they haven't used it all that much or that consistently over time. Uh, so if that happens, um, I, I think that they, Hmm. They don't scare me. Let's put it that they, they, the, they don't, I don't think that they will regress massively um, in, in 2021, but there's always the possibility that Pete Carroll takes the reins uh, at some point during the season and says enough, enough of this we're establishing and I don't care what happens from there. Uh, so that, that possibility existing, you know, that, that doesn't go away this year. I, I'm going to go with the Luke. It's the, it's the time for lukewarm takes. You know, it's the early March. I'm going to go with a lukewarm take. Where I think the offense itself probably will regress. Like a lot of the individual players might be kind of inoculated against regression because it's going to remain a narrow target tree. And like DK Metcalf is, he's just going to get by like on the special talent factor at this point. It's mm-hmm. um, so like DK Metcalf, I think. I'm just, I mean, this could be silly. There's probably going to be like lots of good stats that come out as the offseason goes on, like why I should fade or regress DK Mega. I think he's just in the special talent category, right? I think he's kind of just inoculated against regression. And Tyler Lockett might be too, because like, uh, so I think what happened with Tyler Lockett is that even if he regresses, he'll probably be over regressed by the, the fantasy public after two years, you know, very disappointing returns, especially in the second half of the season. So I don't think like, I think Tyler Lockett's ADP will be quite reasonable. And then the backfield, you know, we don't know who the starting running back is going to be. So like whoever the the running back will, whoever the running back is going to be, is going to get a clean slate. Mm -hmm. So I just think that Seahawks ADPs uh, aside from Russell Wilson will be reasonable. And Russell Wilson, that's going to be 
this is one of the very, very fast because he's a guy who's been breaking models for years. You know, Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. like this, uh, the stuff, he, the stuff he did on like limited attempts, you know, always like the QB four or five, despite being like 18th or 19th in attempts, he's already broken the model several times. And he, he's just like the true, the wild card, the true X factor here. Mm-hmm. Cause like, is, would we call Russell Wilson a dual threat at this stage of his career? I guess he probably runs enough. Um, yeah. Does he get the dual threat cred still for Konami coding or does Russell Wilson run enough? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'd have to look a little more into, uh, you know, his, his rushing attempts uh, last year and in in recent seasons, but I, I would think that, that he does, you know, I don't know if, if he like becomes like a cheat code at any point. Um, But I, I do think that the, the bad taste in fantasy managers mouth over the, uh, the last six or eight weeks of the season for the Seahawks when, you know, suddenly your, your Seahawks were almost unplayable, you know, even, even Metcalf for a time, you're like, Oh my, like he was carrying my team. He was winning me weeks like automatically uh, in September and October. And so I think, I think that that, uh, that lingering, you know, uh, you know, memory of the, the terrible times I think will, uh, will affect their ADPs. And I agree. I agree on Lockett. Um, You know, I, I don't, I don't know where he is going now or, or, or where he might go. We don't, as we we don't get, look this stuff up. I mean, we, I, I, I don't I even don't, play fantasy football. I, mean, I, I don't even have an internet connection. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm actually recording this at the library, which is closed because of COVID, but I broke in. And, and uh, But yeah, I think Lockett could be really reasonable this year. I was, I, while we were talking, I, I think I'm going to, I decided I'm staying away from Russell Wilson this season. Um, even if the offensive stabilized, like a guy who began his offseason by complaining like for several weeks about how often he gets hit. Like, I think the dual threat is going to continue to fade for Russell mm-hmm. Wilson and he's not having another 40 touchdown season and he's not having another 40 touchdown season. And he's someone who's signaling that he wants to get hit less expecting even le- more fading of Russell Wilson's dual threat. And I will have zero Russell Wilson. That's a good point. In 2021, I'm just announcing on the podcast and I, I need the whole, uh, NBC Sports Edge crew to hold me to this pledge. Oh, we will. Trust me. Um, all right. Enough about the Seahawks. Now we're going to get to another team, a little more complicated because they're they're changing quarterbacks. Uh, the Colts, who were mm-hmm. the final team on your list of touchdowns over expectations last year, 3.8 touchdowns over expectations. Uh, D- Denny, what is the yeah. appropriate Colts regression take for 2021? I think it's it's good news for you know Jonathan Taylor. Uh, particularly that this team didn't vastly overperform in, in touchdown scoring, Um, you know, Carson Wentz being thrown into the mix is, you know, complicates things. Uh, You know, I think it would be, I would feel much more confident uh, about what I'm saying right now. If, you know, Phillip rivers were still the starter, which is kind of amazing to say. It's amazing to say, Um, but I mean, do you, do you agree? I do. I do. I mean, cause like this was, this was all about it's, it's hard to say this because like one of the interception Kings of modern times, but I mean, the Colts overperforming last year was all about that rivers efficiency and all about the, all the whole entire offensive ineff- efficiency. And now we get Mr. Inefficiency, Carson Wynn, one right. of the least efficient players in recent memory. And, you know, coming into really what is not that great. It's not a bad situation, but this isn't like a great, offensive situation aside from the offensive line, but he's the kind of quarterback who can make an offensive line look worse than it is. 
Carson Wentz and it's a young and inexperienced receiver group. It's still got some intriguing talents, of course. And Michael Pittman is an ascendant player. I think it's safe to say, but we still don't really know what's going on with Paris Campbell. It's you know not a super intriguing tight end group. Uh, uh, just like the, the running the backfield uh, of course is very intriguing Jonathan Taylor I think it's to be hard to prevent ourselves mm-hmm. from drafting but yeah I, I think this is an offense that uh could go from like slightly overperforming in 2021 and 2020 to uh underperforming in 2021 because you're just going from one of the most efficient that was a paragon of efficiency last year Philip Rivers and even if we fix Carson Wentz, I mean, we're not going to get that from Carson Wentz. Right. And, and unless they do something surprising, a receiver, like it's this, uh, it's a it's a skill group that's like in transition. It's not like a super established skill group. True. Yeah, not an offense I will be aggressively targeting. Yeah. No. Me. Me. Neither. And I think that this this mostly relates to to Taylor um, and and his touchdown potential uh, in, in 2021, uh, I will say it's, I'm obliged to say, because I continue my, um, infatuation with, uh, Colts tight ends. Um, because obviously they're so difficult to figure out that I I've dedicated my life. I'm sorry. You're going to bring up the basketball player, Denny. I'm not. Okay. But wait, who are we talking about? Mo Ali Cox. Oh, Mo. Okay. Okay. I forgot. I forgot. He's yeah, we we do. We do love anyway. If, a tight end emerges this off season as a guy who's going to be like the primary tight end, like a guy you can somewhat depend on as running some routes and getting some targets. You want Frank Reich's tight end. Uh, you know, he has a history of, of using the position. So, and we saw, we saw Moali Cox excel in the one or two games that he got with Jack Doyle and Trey Burton out. Um, and so don't, don't dismiss that. No matter what Pat yeah. says, don't dismiss the tight end in Indianapolis. No, I, I truly, I love Mo with but what he's like 27 or 28 now. And he seems to be typecast as like this purely like a role player, like a situational type player. Yeah. yeah if we got off season, early off season reports that the, the Colts are prepared to feature Mo Ali Cox more, cause it, not, just, not just Frank Reich, like you said, I mean, uh, we have a pretty long history of Carson Wentz uh, yeah. loving to target oh, the yeah. tight end position. So Mo Ali, so like offseason puff pieces, you know, a lot of times uh, don't end up panning out. But if we got some offseason puff pieces in Mo Ali Cox, uh, I think it would be very hard. Again, for probably the entire Roto World staff to contain itself because a one of the most like physically intriguing players in the entire NFL is Mo Ali Cox. So, but like, yeah, short of the Colts saying Mo Ali Cox is going to get a much bigger role in 2021, it won't be that intriguing of a tight end group. Agreed. All right, that is all of our time on this football show. That is good. A good football <laughs> show uh, presented by NBC Sports Edge. Denny, so yeah, uh, what the whole show, we just talked about this. You have an article coming out this week on touchdowns over expectations? I do. Uh, yes, coincidentally, uh, I, I do have an article where, where I, go, I go a little bit deeper into uh, what it could mean for fantasy-relevant players. So I'm going to look at teams that overperformed this week and then later this month i'm going to look at teams that underperformed uh most of those teams obviously are not good but uh you know could have some fantasy value hidden uh in the margins in the margins there and we we did this just the way the boss is like the the edict is always have a podcast about the article before it exists (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we did it the right way yeah, we, we're content kings. Yes, we are the content kings. I have an article coming out this week too. Hopefully Wednesday, a free agency primer. Uh, just a, a meat and potatoes free agency article, taking a look 
with the top players in the market, their best fits, what kind of deals they might get, where they might end up. So look for that later this week too. Uh, that is all of our time. Uh, I'm Patrick Darty. This is Danny Carter. Uh, we'll see you again later in the week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.